Welcome to Hookah Chats with Matt and Ethan, a podcast where two friends catch up and talk about whatever nerdy stuff comes to mind, usually over hookah. Enjoy. My computer, my computer was taking its sweet ass time getting loaded up. I think it's just as cold. Yeah. I got up this morning. It was negative four. Oh, right now it's nine. It's the kind of cold that like gets in your bones and makes them not want to move. You know, I remember, uh, I think it was 2018, the winter of 2018. It was, we had like two weeks of up in like Kerwinsville Clearfield, just like really, really horrendous cold. And I was, uh, like, like I, I would tell Beth, like after a day, I go to sleep. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go out in the garage and smoke a pipe. And she'd be like, no, you're not. You'll die. Like, if you go out in the garage and smoke a pipe, you'll freeze to death and die. And uh, and I did it one time, and I was like, fuck me. This is, this is even in the fucking garage. Like, this is crazy. This is crazy. So, yeah, I have a two-bay two garage. Yeah, I have a two-bay garage attached to the house, and it's at 40 degrees. So I've been turning on the uh, – we have a kerosene heater in the garage. Yeah. Try to keep it from freezing up in there but i mean and it's like the room that i'm currently sitting in is above that garage so like right right now my feet are cold (laughs) (laughs) well you guys can always come and visit uh virginia we we had some snow but balmy virginia it's been it's been just about 40 degrees um today so it hasn't been that bad that's positively a heat wave I can. I know, man. It's great. Well, you wonder why you see people with rednecks running around in central Pennsylvania when it's sixty degrees out, wearing t-shirts and shorts, because they're used to this shit. I, I don't. I don't wonder. I know. I, I <laughs> grew up in central Pennsylvania. Like I don't know how it is. You have uh, John. That's a big uh, John Fetterman, the lieutenant governor of Pennsylvania. Yeah. That's his big joke on Twitter. Is that John Fetterman when he's not doing something like professional that he has to have like a suit in on? He just wears uh, like a hoodie and uh, like a pair of shorts, you know, and so he's like running around in nine degrees, you know, <laughs> being a badass. And his, his wife's just like, my husband is incredibly stupid. Like, like he's, why, why you want to vote for him for Senate? I don't know. <laughs> God, I hope that guy becomes a senator. That guy's fucking cool. <laughs> he is cool. As long as he can beat Dr. Oz. Yeah, God, give me a break. Unbelievable. No, but Amanda and I, we've been watching uh, Yellowstone. And, oh, yeah. How do you uh, like it? Yeah, I like it a lot. Um, but, you know, Kevin Costner is not the greatest actor in the world. But no, there's not. a lot of other really good talent in that show. That's uh, that's they're all quite good. But um, more more impressive to me, I've always been enamored with like the Western scenery. I've been through there on my motorcycle. It's the show set in like southwestern Montana. Sure. And uh I think that's just the most beautiful area of the country. And we were talking about that a little bit today. And uh, I was like, man, we, we, we need to have two houses though, because like Pennsylvania winters are bad. Montana winters are brutal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like that's like negative 40 <laughs> below Arctic circle shit. And I was yeah, like, it's, it's really, really nice out there in like June. <laughs> yeah. I feel you. I really do. I really do. That's uh well, that that show I was telling you about Longmire. Yeah, Longmire takes place in Wyoming. Yeah, and it's and it's the same kind of a deal, right? Like it's right. same kind of a scenery and and like just the sense of uh, uh, of how it is. Like 
I would never want to live in Longmire takes place in Absaroka County, Wyoming, and which means it takes place in uh, basically a, a giant flat field with six people, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I would never want to live there, <laughs> yeah. but it's still cool. <laughs> yeah. So what have you been up to, sir? What's on your mind? How are well, things? Well, I had my had my first day or first week of work back at the at the prison, the detention facility. Yes, sir. Um, went through training, um, all bunch of stuff I knew. I took, I was given my my first day. I was there and I met all these. I was in a group of new hires, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. People that have no real experience. I mean, they have. They've been. They're coming from other departments, other agencies, but they have no experience at our facility and they have no experience with the type of detainees that we have a lot of uh ex-police officers um one of the guys is a, was a capital police officer wow um stuff like that um but they all they all come in and they all have like these their their cop attitudes you know and i'm like yeah. oh boy here we go i was like and then the other guy that was in there is the chaplain he's going to be the chaplain oh, cool right mm-hmm. And he was like the only person there that was like, you know, not full of bravado and gusto and with the with the the mentality that's probably not healthy for trying to do the type of work we're doing. And I was uh, reflecting after the first day with him, I was I was talking to him and I was like, you know, if you have such a disdain for humanity and you're just like uh, you're angry all the time, maybe you should not be here right maybe you should like maybe you should have to go through training first and then we could decide whether we're going to hire you instead of hiring you and then putting you through training to find out what type of person you are because like a lot of the people there are just they're they're cranky and they're not going to um behave properly i don't think yeah (laughs) but anyway so that was the first day second day uh they were teaching the the instructor came in and started teaching some classes that i while i was there um, hostage negotiation, crisis negotiation, conflict resolution, things like that. This is what I, what I did. Sure. And, uh, it was funny because she, she, she got about two slides into the thing and she was like, I, I really don't know what I'm doing. Uh, just hurtling here. <laughs> so the right. second day I taught, um, <laughs> and it, it was interesting. I felt like a rock star because like everybody that was there, that's been around all the instructors, you know, they all know me and they all liked me and they all respect me and they all get along with me and they're all genuinely happy to see me come back. Sure. So everybody that was coming in was like, oh, Hurtland's here. Like when I went in, it said new hires, this place, uh, Act 235, which is firearms training, this place, self-defense, this place. Welcome back, Matt. Oh, <laughs> you know, that was nice. on the thing, right? So I was like, oh, sweet. You know, so I yeah. felt really good in terms of uh, going back there and everybody kind of welcoming me back with such open arms um but they they also know me they know that you know the night they do the type of work ethic i have and know you know how i how i handle business and that's why they're excited to see me because they know that like i'm gonna handle things properly um so through the first and second day with all the instructors coming up and greeting me and everything all these new hires that i'm with looking at me like I'm some kind of rock star. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I really felt like cool about that. And then uh, like the third day, 
um, they have to take all these. T- they ha- they have like three weeks of initial training, and and I obviously don't have to go through that because I'm a rehire. But I have to take a lot of the same tests and whatnot. And there's there was 31 different tests that were supposed to be. They're all on the computer, but they're they go through like they go through the the classroom portion, and then they have to take these tests. Whereas I just kind of skipped the classroom portion and went straight to the tests. And the instructor on my third day, the, the lead training instructor says, okay, go ahead. And uh, you have all day, do whatever you want um, from eight to four, just get your tests done. And what you don't get done, we can get done tomorrow. And I said, fine. Well, in taking those tests, like I taught like half the classes. So I didn't like read the presentations or anything like that. I just went right to the end and like took the tests and I was knocking them out. Right. I know this stuff. So by like 1130, I'm done. <laughs> right? Right, right. Like, uh, like I'm done. I, I, I'm, I go, I go back out and she's like, are you finished with all those already? I was like, yeah. She's like, did you pass them all? I was like, yeah. <laughs> sure. you know? And she's like, oh, okay. So I ended up helping her make like, uh, training scenarios for like the next day. I was helping her do her things <laughs> while like oh. they're in there teaching. I would go in there and teach a class and then I'd come back out and I'd do some other stuff. And I, I still hadn't gotten my ID badge yet which lets you in through the doors and stuff. We have uh, electronic locks on a lot of the doors that you need to get through. And I needed to get my, my clearances and everything from the government to be allowed to be around date detainees. Well, Tuesday morning, I guess the warden put in my, my uh, clearances and I got them back Wednesday afternoon, which is unheard of. That was like, there's a, there's a guy up there right now who's had his clearance. He's been waiting for his clearances since October <laughs> and he's like, I still haven't got him yet. And I, and I know them because he was, he was, he worked there before. I know him quite well. He's one of the, uh, one of the self-defense instructors. And uh, I was like, well, maybe it's you. Because <laughs> you know, like, I got mine in a day. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> now, in fairness, we, we closed the facility in uh, March of 2021. And my last full length in-depth background check was in March 2020. So the FBI and all those guys that do the, the background checks on us, like they they just looked at my old one and they're like, oh, that's only two years old. They, they the clearances last for five years generally. And as long as you don't have like any criminal offenses or anything like that, not much changes, right? So they're like, oh yeah, he's good. So they just like kind of pushed me back through. <laughs> I had to go pee in a cup and I was good to go. Right. So then on Thursday, I got my badges and everything, and then I went. I went down to the facility. I saw my office. They already already set my office up for me. They had people bring in chairs and desks and put all my stuff up. So I walked in and I was like, "I don't like my desk there. I want it there." So they did it. They moved it. <laughs> you know? Solid, it was, solid. It was kind of neat. And then uh, I started talking to some of the detainees, um, and I ran into one of the guys who was my translator for three years when he was incarcerated in the BOP in my facility. And he worked for me. He was like my inmate translator for like three years. Well, he just got released. Uh, His sentence was up in December and he's awaiting deportation and he's trying to get asylum to stay in the United States. Mm -hmm. And like, so as soon as I walked in, I didn't know he was there. Like, I didn't re- realize that he was there, but as soon as I walked in, he was like, holy shit. And I was like, holy shit. You know, so <laughs> we started talking in front of all the inmates 
now, now, so now I'm talking to one of them, one of theirs, right? So right. I'm this, I'm this, I'm this cop. That's how they view you, you know, you walk huh. in and you're a cop. And so there's automatically a sense of distrust and there's automatically a sense of like us and them. And it was really funny because I was doing a tour with the warden and I walked in and then I saw this guy and he saw me and we just started chatting. I was talking to him, to, to him in Spanish. Not many of the staff members there speak Spanish. So like the inmates were impressed that I was speaking Spanish with them and they're like, who's this guy, you know? So like within 20 minutes of me being in the facility, I had immediate credibility with the inmate population as well. <laughs> right, right, right. So like it was a good week. It was a good week. I'll be really happy whenever I get my paycheck. Um, yep. But so far, so good. I, I'm, I feel right at home and I feel comfortable doing what I'm doing. And I think I'm going to be able to help a lot of people out. And it seems like they are both staff and resident populations are happy to have. Me. So it's That's a good, good fit. And I've been doing plays all yeah, at night <laughs> and I've been doing uh electrical work on the side too so i've been very busy but uh it's everything's going well for me right now how are you <laughs> <laughs> i'm okay i'm all right i'm this semester on one hand is um shaping up to be like incredibly busy just just yeah. an, an absolute there's always an ass ton of reading um, but, but this semester in particular, there's an ass ton of reading. Like, yeah, there's not, always an ass ton of reading with you. I know, but it's it's unreasonable. <laughs> and and like I I'm in this one of my classes. So so one of the things, listeners, PhD world is is kind of an interesting uh, connect. There's a lot of things that happen in PhD world, and one of the one of the primary things that PhD folks, particularly in the humanities, like I'm in, have to always think about is we have to we're always thinking about at the end of the program what um what goes on the resume that lets uh, a school or an institution or whatever a publisher all kinds of stuff know like who i am without right. needing to like you know sit and like test me for a year you know like like <laughs> that's just the whole thing and so one of the things that we think about are you know what kind of dissertation are we writing like are we writing a dissertation that somebody could look at the title or look at a description and go oh okay you know that that's interesting like wow that, that or that, wow that's cool or like what kind of examinations am i taking like for my for my degree i have to take uh three exams i have to take five exams total i have to take three exams in different eras of Christian thought. Um, and it's done that way on purpose. It's done the way on purpose. So that like, if I apply for a job uh, to teach, you know, Christian thought, like somebody can take a look at my examinations and go, Oh, well, he's been examined in, you know, ancient medieval and contemporary Christian thought. So he's set, he's fine. Like they don't, they don't just give that to anybody, you know, like, right. like, like right. I did that. And but but the trickier thing that I'm discovering is um, making sure that I'm working with faculty that enough that they can write me letters of recommendation for jobs. <laughs> right. And this means but you're that, sucking up is what you're saying. Yeah, there's a sense in which I'm <laughs> sucking up. But this but this also means that, like, I don't always say no to things 
that maybe I don't have a huge amount of interest in doing. Right. And one of the things is I'm in a class right now that has just an absolute ass ton of reading um, that I'm interested in a bit, but I'm primarily interested in making sure that I'm taking a class with this professor. Right. Because he's well known in my field and, and, if he has a relationship with me, then he, and he knows this, he's not, there's, there's no, I'm not tricking him. Like he gets right. it. Like, like we all get it, you know, like, like that he, he has something to say. Like if I ask him to write me a letter, he, and he says, yes, now I've had it. He's interacted with me enough that he has something to say about me, you know, and not right. just Ethan apparently got, went through a program. And if he got through a program, he's probably fine. You know, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, and so I've, I've got this, you know, I've, I've got these two kind of things in particular that I'm juggling. I've got this class in particular that um, I, I have easily more reading to do than my other classes um, in, a, in an area of study that I'm only sort of interested in. Mixed with the class that I'm TAing, this is sort of the other, other kind of big thing that's happening with me in the semester i'm taing this really cool class called faith and doubt in the modern world mm -hmm. and it's with uh the, the instructor is a professor is dr charles marsh mm -hmm. who who is um who people know who he is right you know like like i've talked about him before people know who he is he's a really great guy he's very interested in like he, he's happy to have me on as his teaching assistant and i'm also his research assistant this semester like He's, he's asked me a ton of questions about me and like my life and like my interests and he thinks my interests are cool and he trusts me. That's all really great. That being said, he has an absolute ass ton of shit for me to do. <laughs> like, like, uh, you know, oh, it's so great. You're the TA. So I'm going to need you to do these 20 things. And I'm like, OK, and then. <laughs> And then he's like, and you're my research assistant, too, because of just the way certain certain things are. He's I'm like, yes, I am. And he's like, great. And so I'm like, he's he's like, I, I want you to do a project for, for you know, this this uh, center of study that I do, Ethan. Like, I run this center called the Project for Lithiology, and I want you for for your research assistant hours to put together a capstone um, like thing for the project for lithiology and uh here are um here's a bunch of material um come up with something and come to my house in a week and tell me what you've come up with <laughs> and I'm, I'm, like, I'm, I'm like okay and then like charles will like call me he'll call me at like 3 3 p.m he'll be like hey can you talk for like 15 minutes and i'm like ah okay and and, and, he'll, and he'll be like here's what i'm thinking about and or and it's all really cool. Like, that's really great. Like, Charles Charles Marsh is the right guy to have in my corner. I'm very excited for that. But um, you're going to earn it. I'm going to have to earn it to, to get it. <laughs> like, like, it's it's uh, it's a lot. And I'm excited about it. Like, so what the project that I've come up with is I'm going to do another podcast. But the podcast is going to is designed to be like this sort of digital um uh, uh academic journal mm -hmm. where where we each each episode we might have bi-monthly episodes maybe and and each episode uh involves like 15 minute segments with particular theologians or scholars of religion who put together little talks you know that that i can then sort of piece together and space out 
as if somebody had just bought an issue of like an academic journal. Right. And, and, um, and the, the, the kinds of theologians and scholars we're working with are going to be past theologians and scholars that the Project for Lived Theology has sort of worked with. And so it'll be this kind of like summation of the 10 years of the project kind of as, as we, as we dive, re-dive back into old interviews or, or old, older work or just contributors doing new things or, or what have you. I'm excited for, for, for this idea, but um, it's also my idea. And Charles Marsh is, (laughs) Charles Marsh is like, this is super great. We're going to make sure, you know, you'll do this. I'll be able to write about it for you in a letter of recommendation. I'm going to talk you up to it. Like, like, He's the right guy to have my corner. He's gonna fucking find me a job, you know. Like, like, yeah. and I appreciate yeah. that. I really do. But, uh, but it's also like, so when you put this together, Ethan, and I'm like, oh yeah, I have to do that. Don't <laughs> I? So. Hey, you never know. Maybe he'll work out a hundred million dollar contracts with Spotify or something. For oh you. boy. Well, that'd be good. You could be the anti-Rogan. Replace Joe Rogan. Yeah. What are we? What are we going to do? Like, I think this is a is our podcast. Our podcast is on Anchor. Yeah, which is owned by Spotify. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which now, did you see Neil Young just pulled all his stuff off of Spotify? I did. Him and Joni Mitchell. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, what what do we do with our ten listeners? <laughs> <laughs> well, our ten listeners are they're still sticking around. You know, hey, if you guys want to boycott Spotify as your as your thing, that's all right. You can also find our podcast on Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts <laughs> and Podbean. Like it all goes up. You know. Yeah. You don't have to use Spotify. I will continue to use Spotify because, guys, I'm just just not that fucking big of a deal. Like, like it's like <laughs> I get it. Joe Rogan is a bastard coated bastard with bastard filling. He is he, he doesn't get it. He's he's not a smart man. Um, I read, yeah, a, but he's a comedian. Like he's also people, a comedian. Yeah. I I mean, I don't necessarily. I but full disclosure, I don't listen to Joe Rogan's podcast. I don't. So I don't know what he says. I, I mean, I've seen a couple of his stand up acts. I think he's funny, you know, at times. But like, uh, I just don't take him that seriously. Right. I think it's kind of weird that, that pe- where people choose to to make their martyrs, <laughs> you know, like, right. it's, it's kind of strange that like Joe Rogan, a self-proclaimed like pothead loser goofball is such a lightning rod for these for for such animosity because he's spreading disinformation no fucking shit he's joe rogan, <laughs> joe rogan. he's not he, where, where, where's his like he doesn't have any journalistic credentials why are right. people taking what he says seriously or what's going on on his show seriously i mean i i don't understand where he gets this authority because he's got 11 million listeners like people 11 million people believe what like everything that he says that's that says more about our society than it does about Joe Rogan, if you ask me. It really does. It really does. And and that's really ultimately the problem. The problem is, is like, so so from my understanding of what the Joe Rogan experience, the, the podcast that he does is, is it, it essentially begins as this just Joe Rogan is interviewing folks that he thinks are interesting. And yeah. ultimately, that's really just not that big of a deal. Like he can interview people he thinks are interesting. I don't have to agree with any of them. N- nobody does. And and once again, like nobody, that's not what everybody's mad about. What, ev- what everybody's mad about is the, is the way in which Joe Rogan has bought his own like hype. And then the way in which Joe Rogan like presents himself and his podcast is this like 
alternative to the news, you know, right. <laughs> like this, right. this kind of this kind of free thinking podcast when when really it's it's not a free thinking podcast. It's Joe Rogan is really not that smart. And he and he interviews people who are really not that smart and and they're being contrarian on purpose. I saw this really funny meme. This did not happen on the Joe Rogan show and nobody said it did, but it's it sums up the Joe Rogan experience from my experience listening to him which is um it was this meme like it was like a, a pretend uh conversation between joe rogan and his guest and uh and and it was like have you heard about what's going on with hamburgers and joe rogan and joe rogan is like uh yeah i did but you know i don't spend a lot of time with hamburgers i'm trying to really cut back on pork <laughs> and and the 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 guest is like hamburgers come from beef Joe Rogan's like, no, they don't. It says ham right in the name. They're they come from Bork. And he, and and he and then Joe Rogan like looks over at his assistant. He goes, Billy, check into that. See, make make sure I'm right. And and his assistant types and he goes, they come from beef. They come from beef. And then Joe Rogan's like, well, I mean, fine, but like the real question is, is the meat packing industry is really fucked up, right? And that's that's a very Joe Rogan thing. Like like that's right. that's really how the episodes go. Like you're blatantly wrong, Joe. You're blatantly wrong. And then he somehow is able to swerve it around to make it to make. <laughs> well, he's him... hardly the first. I mean, Alex Jones, you're right. uh, you're right. Rush Limbaugh, like all these guys do that. Like it's nothing new. Like no, not at all, not at all. And and like and I think I do think it's it's a little silly that folks are. Well, but at the same time, you know, people can do whatever the fuck they want with their money. I don't give a shit. Like, like yeah. what, what's, what's, what I find distasteful about Joe Rogan, and and once again, this is this is only a problem when people's lives are at stake, and I think that's what makes this a pain in the ass. Like, what makes all of this a pain in the ass is, um, um, this is not just the free exchange of ideas. You know, a lot of right wingers, or in the case of Joe Rogan, free thinkers. Want to want to make this into a uh, uh, a debate about like democratic principles, right? Like, right. What what happened to the free exchange of ideas? What happened to to legal dissent from you know whatever? Like, all of aren't all of those things correct? Well, of course, all of those things are correct. But but like friends, we're not talking about the free exchange of ideas. We're talking about um, people's lives. That you are uh, just kind of going, mm, I don't really care. You know, I don't, I don't, it doesn't matter to me that every single metric that we have that we can possibly trust tells us that if you get vaccinated, you are 52 times less likely to be in the fucking hospital, you know, with COVID-19. <laughs> like for somebody like Joe Rogan, none of that matters. And, you know, he, he's able to he's able to just go like, I don't really care. I don't care if that's the case. I'll tell my 11 million viewers that, in my opinion, <laughs> yeah. you know, they don't need that. They can instead take horse tranquilizer or or testosterone pills or whatever the fuck he thinks is he's allowed to do. And, and none, once again, none of that would be a problem if we weren't in the middle of a goddamn pandemic. <laughs> like like if, it, if he was just talking about. Curious well, with see, the common cold, like like I'd be like, eh, well, see, fuck you. <laughs> I, I I fundamentally disagree with you on the on the none of that would be a problem if statement because I think a lot of the reason that we're in the situation with doubt 
and mistrust and this kind of false libertarianism that we're in is because people have been listening to people like Alex Jones and and Rush Limbaugh and all those guys before this Glenn Beck, you know, and they, and it's insidious and it over time it creeps in and it creates a mentality that is unhealthy so that when something does hit the fan like COVID-19, we're already in a state of like denial or yeah. or we're already in a state of 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 hyper uh, hyper doubt, if you will. Right. Right. And so, I mean, it it is a problem. And it, it's not to say that I don't think that, you know, freedom of speech is important. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is if you're wrong you ought to be called out for being wrong. Sure, <laughs> right? sure. I agree. <laughs> because that's freedom of speech too. Right. Right. No, I think, I think you're correct. When I say it's not a problem, all I mean is I'm not saying that the police need to be called. Like I'm not right. saying that somebody needs to get arrested. Right. Um, I, all I'm saying is, is like in, in the, in the case of a public health emergency. And I think this is what is so frustrating, um, not just about right wingers, but about folks like, Joe Rogan, who says he's not right wing, who says he's just a yeah. free thinker when when I'm like, well, no, buddy, you're a right winger, like, like, <laughs> you're a free thinker who happens to agree with every right wing principle I can name, you know, like, like <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Like, this is what what's, is so frustrating is we're now talking about concrete reality. We're not talking about abstract principles. And, and abstract, I like talking about abstract principles. They're fine. Like, like, that's yeah. all fine. I'm not saying they're unimportant. What I'm saying is, is that human beings are dying now and right. so to debate abstract principles in the midst of sickness and death is is more than a little dumb like like it's 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 bizarre it's strange it, it portray it's it's like that convoy have you read about the convoy of trucks going through canada right now uh no you, you might not have seen it the only reason i've seen it is because i there's a couple of folks in the theology world that i follow who are canadian um there's this convoy of sort of right-wingers in Canada who are basically just traveling through Canada doing their own like form of, of anti-vax protesting. The government yeah. cannot tell us to be vaccinated and all of this. And, um, and, and folks are just like, you know, all the Canadians I follow are just shaking their heads like, this is all total nonsense because the government isn't telling, isn't forcing you to get vaccinated at all. <laughs> you know, the, the that's it's not how it works. The, the government has offered you a free vaccine yeah. in the middle of your free health care. The government also <laughs> offers you, Canada, um, you know, and, and are saying things like in the case of if you would like to participate in X place in doing X thing, then you need to show evidence of your of vaccination. Why? Well, it's really simple. You personally do not own public property <laughs> right <laughs> you know, it's really it's really not that complicated that's why schools that's why public schools demand vaccines and why it's actually perfectly legal that they do like yeah like because now a private school doesn't have doesn't isn't being forced to do that right every private school i can come up with has one though you know yeah <laughs> like, they're not dumb yeah. you know just remind everybody remember that <laughs> Every one of Ted Cruz's kids attends a, pu a private school that demands vaccination. Right. Ted Cruz is a fucking liar. They all yeah. are. Just they're all that. vaccinated in Congress, too, by the way. <laughs> they're all vaccinated. <laughs> they're all lying to you. Um, 
but but yeah, it's, I just I, I get so frustrated that um, with that whole with that whole mentality with the whole idea that that they that a uh, the the exchange of ideas these sort of abstract principles uh, are there to protect people when they're doing evil things like like it's just completely yeah. backwards from what the yeah. whole thing is you know like like no the free exchange of ideas is there to protect regular citizens from powerful people telling them what they can and cannot say and do right not citizens it's not there to protect citizens who are doing damage and harm <laughs> from from getting in trouble you know yeah like it's outrageous i think what's even more shocking to me is just like the the, the hypocrisy of of like their loyalty right like they're they're claiming that they want to be independent free free thinkers and then they're pledging their allegiance to a party or an individual or a mentality i mean i i can't tell you how many times i drive past a, a, a yard sign that says fjb or still has their trump flag up or something and it's like i don't understand that kind of loyalty that kind of mentality to that kind of deference to an individual. I, I don't get it. Like I voted for Joe Biden. I didn't post Joe Biden shit all over the place. And it's not because I'm afraid to like, let my opinion be known. I'm certainly not just ask, I'll tell you, but like, I don't like have that kind of fealty to Joe Biden. I voted for Joe Biden primarily because he wasn't Donald Trump, <laughs> to be honest with you, <laughs> but like, I, I don't understand why these people are so enamored, so easily enamored by these mentalities. Like when, when you, when you live in a trailer in central Pennsylvania and your representative uh, party is having yacht parades, right? right? right. Like, isn't there something fundamentally off about that? Like you gotta be rich in the first place to have a yacht. <laughs> you know, like I, I, I just don't get where you're. Like, where do you think you fit into this clan in your loyalty? Like, you're, you're being used. You're being manipulated in a way that I don't think is happening on the left. The left is as fractured as it can be. Oh, you sure. know, and the the left certainly frustrates me uh, more, more so sometimes than the right does because we ought to know better. But um, yeah. I don't understand the right wing mentality like the clannish mentality of the right wing right now people will like line up and and like people are like well i'm not buying any more neil young's records because you won't listen to joe rogan and it's like okay like it's your money and i'm with you on that free market thing if you don't want to spend your money on neil young's stuff because like clearly not a lot of right wingers are listening to neil young anyway so i don't no. think he's losing a lot of record sales but <laughs> But like um, that, that is what's going to make you like shut off 60 years of a musical career that's, that cannot be argued with as being one of the greatest in all, of all time. Right. You know, like he won't listen to Joe Rogan. He doesn't like Joe Rogan. So I'm cutting him off. And that's all it takes. That's all it takes. <laughs> you know, yeah. so like wh why is why is your loyalty so easily manipulated and why can it be so easily like if if joe rogan came out tomorrow and announced that he was he voted for hillary clinton they they'd run him off the street 
what's like, even what's even more bizarre, like like this doesn't mean anything, but what's even more bizarre is the only presidential candidate other than Tulsi Gabbard. Remember Tulsi Gabbard? The only presidential yeah. candidate that I can think of that Joe Rogan has ever interviewed on his podcast is Bernie fucking Sanders. Like, yeah. like, like it's it's bizarre. It was it's the only it's the only episode I've ever listened to the Joe Rogan experience all the way through with. Like yeah. I've listened to bits and pieces of each episode, but like the one I listened to all the way through was Bernie. It was Joe Rogan and Bernie Sanders on, and Joe Rogan's yeah. like, "Hey, tell me about your platform." And Bernie Sanders sat there and was like, "This is my platform." And then Joe Rogan's like, "A lot of people call that communism, you know, and pretty radical." And Bernie Sanders is like, I'm not a communist. That's fucking crazy. Like, like this is, <laughs> you know, there's, there's nothing, there, there's nothing uh, uh, insane about asking the mega wealthy to, you know, give um, a certain percentage of their income back to the United, the people of the United States, because it's the people of the United States that made them mega wealthy. It's really I, that yeah. simple. I wonder how much of that hundred million Joe Rogan would be willing to fork over. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. None. You know, like, yeah, it's not exactly. what he thinks. It's not how he. It's not how he thinks stuff. You know, and like, like I just, oh man, I don't get it. I don't get it. I, I, I don't. I don't wrap my brain well around it. I, I remember the first time really, really realizing how insane the tribalism and the the, the clan mentality really was. One on one of the days uh, that I was driving to Dubois, I was driving uh -huh. to Dubois to probably to. to visit somebody in the hospital or something and and i uh went by just some house you know on the way to dubois from kerwinsville that always since i had moved in had like this trump flag up on a pole right right and and i find that stuff insane like like i can't i can't imagine feeling such loyalty to anything that I would put a flag up over, you know, like, like I just can't like, not because I don't have a sense of loyalty to things, but because no. putting flags up is, is, is I can't just go out and do it. Like I have to like <laughs> gather my shit up and go and put a flag <laughs> out. Like, like I have stuff to do. Uh, and, and I remember going, I've always went by that house and there was always that flag up. But this time when I came up, there was a brand new Trump flag. Uh, like a brand new one. It was obviously a new one. And I realized that whoever lived in that house walked outside, brought the old flag down, <laughs> like did the whole thing. Yeah. Like, like did a spent, spent 15 to 20 minutes of time that he can never get back. Not to mention probably $50 towards the Trump campaign for it, buying it, the. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And wound the flag back up. I was like, friend, like, like you, you, you clear, you should have other things to do like, like, <laughs> than, than to put this up. I can come up with several dozen other things to do for 20 minutes. How about you mow your grass and get that car off the fucking blocks? How about yeah, that? That might be helpful. <laughs> like my word, like, like, and I, I just, I, there, I love driving. I was in Pittsburgh the last weekend or the other weekend for a, yeah. a, a wrestling show. You got to tell me about that uh, after a bit. I will. I will say about it. And um, and and you know how it is. You you know how it is going to Pittsburgh from that side. We drove up through Breezewood. Oh, yeah. That's how that's yeah. how we went. And um, and so like you're going towards Pittsburgh, and the the Trump and anti Biden signs become increasingly more and more unhinged. Like, right. Like <laughs> as you go, like like Trump 2024. You know, Trump 2030. Trump. I'm like, yeah. how is that possible? Trump 2030. I don't get it. Like, let's go, Brandon. 
Biden is a terrorist. Biden and Osama bin Laden are fucking. Kamala yeah. Harris is a man. Like, like I'm like fucking hell. What the hell is going on? <laughs> you know, it's just getting more and more unhinged. And then you let you kind of go around a mountain, and then suddenly there's Pittsburgh, <laughs> and, and, and then the, the signs disappear, and it's just welcome to Pittsburgh. We're really just trying to go to work. <laughs> we here at the in the city of Pittsburgh are trying to go across bridges. And are trying which to are make falling living, down, which are falling down. <laughs> you know, that's all we're trying to do. We like the Steelers here. That's yeah. cool. You know, like, yeah. things are great. Like I can uh, understand a Steelers flag, like that I get. Yeah, but... that I get. We you know why. Well, it's because you could buy a Steelers flag for a dollar seventy anywhere. You know, like like in Pittsburgh, people are well, giving that, them it, away. You know, and like, it like... also it also isn't like targeted to like try to to. You can't tell me that people aren't putting these things up there without the sense of trying willfully to be provocative. Right. Like that's what they want to do. They they they're trying to own the libs, right? Like when I put if I put a Steelers flag out front of my house, you know how passionate I am about the Steelers. I'm not trying to offend Buffalo Bills fans, right? Right, like, right. I don't I don't hate them for liking the Bills. Like I don't hate the opposition of the Maybe you're a Ravens fan, but like, <laughs> but it's all playful. It's all, it's all part of like, it's all part of a joyful experience for all of us. Ultimately, it's a joyful experience. Even if, you know, they get murdered on the field, it's an entertainment for all of us. Politics should not be entertainment. not be something that, that you draw tribalism to, right? Politics should be something that's very heart attack serious because it affects every single one of us and the last i checked we're all on the same team right <laughs> but right. I, I don't know how you i don't i don't know why people are so willing to just go down that road you're going to be the one that's doing the new podcast with millions of listeners all over the world listening to your uh uh theology podcast millions of listeners millions <laughs> millions and millions oh man so Maybe they'll be putting up flags for you next, or or maybe Neil Young won't allow his music to be on Apple Podcasts because you're on it or something. I don't know, cool. but <laughs> that'll be cool. Exclusive. If somebody gave me a million dollars for exclusive rights to my podcast, I'd be like, "Yeah, brother, I've tricked you. I don't know what I did, but I will take <laughs> your million dollars and I will finally get out of debt." You know, that'll be nice. That'll be a nice a nice change. Yeah, no, I feel you, brother. I don't, I don't get it. I, I mostly just, I think a lot of this stuff clouds everybody's judgment. Is really at the end of the day, like, like the closest that I ever got to stuff like that in, you know, on the political side of the spectrum that I'm on, it was Obama, right? You know, Obama's relative populism, right? But, but at the same time, I, I would regard that as a relative populism because, you know what, as excited as I was to vote for Barack Obama when I was in high school, the, the primary thing I remember, other than a sense of general peace whenever Barack Obama would talk and I wouldn't feel like the world was falling apart, the only other thing I remember was the increasing racist unhingedness. You know, yeah. that everybody felt right. Like, like people, I have heard that on, on the right. Well, like Obama, Obama was a populist like Trump. And I'm like, friend, I don't think you remember it well. Like <laughs> Obama, o o Obama was definitely popular. You know, like if Obama ran against Trump for a third consecutive term, Obama would kick the ever loving shit out of Donald Trump. Like, like it would, yeah. would have been a non-issue, but right. like, but like, 
Obama, Obama was popular only among the people that voted for him. Right. He didn't gain any new followers. Oh, certainly like, not. Like, like I, I remember. But, they, but, you know, those people that were enthusiastic and loyal to Obama, do you remember all the fuck John McCain signs that were out front of people's houses? You, know, you remember? <laughs> do you remember that? Because I, I don't. Yeah. Like, like, it was just, you know, it's one thing to, ha- to, to stick a bumper sticker on your car that says hope. Right. <laughs> right. It's another right. thing to stick a, a bumper sticker on your car that says, uh, you know, fuck Joe Biden. It's a different mentality, man. <laughs> you yeah. know? And yeah. I'm not saying I'd put a bumper sticker of either one of those things on my car. But like the tone was completely different too. those people that were enthusiastic and loyal to Obama that wanted to express their political affiliation and wear it on their sleeves did it without the sense of like trying to own the the right, right, <laughs> right. Yeah. and so i don't understand why people want to be provocative in that way yeah i don't get it i don't I, I, there's a way you can read it and i've i have different folks in my department who offer this as a reading like one way you can read the the kind of political world of the right right now is is a since 2009 a a sustained response to barack obama's presidency like yeah like oh the black man okay well well that and a sustained response to to um what what they would call the woke crowd right yeah yeah. in general Mm -hmm. because let's be honest the only reason they ran hillary clinton against donald trump was because they didn't think anybody would vote for donald trump and they underestimated how 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 garishly unpopular hillary clinton was qualified yes but she was a bitch i don't think anybody can really argue that you know and and like they just they they kind of hubris on the left like well surely they're not gonna vote for this clown that kind of audacity i can understand how trump got elected the first time right what i can't understand is how he's maintained his popularity given the four years of fucking horror show that we all watched you know right right and then i have guys in my in my training classes right now talking about what an embarrassment joe biden is to our country and it's like what why like what do you what do you mean what did what did he do well he pulled us out of afghanistan yeah <laughs> that's a good thing yeah. <laughs> you know every president has wanted to do that since yeah. george w like he, bush he know? said he was going to do it whenever he got elected and then he got elected and he did it like the same sort of things that you're saying that trump said he was going to do this and he did it well he he didn't he didn't do anything but self-aggrandizement and profit but uh <laughs> you know but like you know they're 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 like oh look at how incompetent he is with the border and this and that and the other thing that's like did your boy do anything about any of that? No. No, I'm not saying that Joe Biden's like the most competent person in the world. Clearly he's not, right? Like like there are issues with the administration, but they're not issues that weren't present before in any previous administration. Things haven't gotten worse despite what, you know, you'll hear like you know, it, I, I don't I don't get it. I don't get why people would get so angry about things that they should just stop and breathe <laughs> and think about it for a deal. second. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe maybe you should be watching the Steelers game instead. If you want to get fired up, 
get fired up over a game <laughs> over, over a thing that's just not that important you know right. like, like we need we need clear heads in politics we, we don't yeah. need clear heads in sporting events it's really okay you know like that's yeah. why they exist that's why they're there <laughs> They're yeah. there for us to freak out at, like, like, that's, and have that's it the not point. That's it's the Coliseum, baby. It's the modern modern Coliseum. Yeah, it's on that, art. That's supposed to be your entertainment for the masses, not fucking congressional hearings. Yeah. Oh my god, <laughs> not like the stuff that actually affects us. Do you? Speaking <laughs> of that, as, as we wrap up this this part of the conversation, um, did you you watched uh, the clip of Joe Biden call that Fox News reporter a stupid son of a bitch? Right? Yeah, like they All caught right. him on a hot mic or whatever. Yeah. Like, what a dumb son of a bitch. Yes, yeah. I was like, I was like, oh, Joe. <laughs> and then, and then they're like, people on the right are pointing at him and saying how unpresidential that was. <laughs> and it's like, are are we are we in the twilight zone? Like, <laughs> you had a guy that said that into a hot mic on purpose, and it wasn't considered unpresidential. Like Joe Biden has an absolutely human moment because right. everybody was thinking it. Like, well, right. do you think? Do you think inflation is going to be a liability for the 2022 elections? No, it's going to be an asset, you fucking idiot. What do you think? Of course it's going to be a, you know, like, what a dumb question, right? Why would you even do that unless you're just trying to be provocative? Right, right. And you know what? He should have had Dave Schultz slap him in the fucking ear. <laughs> Dr. D, David Schultz should have showed up. <laughs> like, does that seem, does that seem real to you? No, I, uh, I, uh. There was an article. Like, that, does that look like it's going to be a liability in the 2020 election? <laughs> what? What? The uh, what was it? The uh, I read an article right after that all dropped. Like after Biden said that, and the right freaked out. Yeah. There was an article like like I can't. The title of it was like I can't believe that I've lived this long to see to see a sitting president be so unpresidential. Said yeah. a woman who just got out of a five-year coma. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> <you know? laughs> like, now, granted, I've been asleep since 2015, but <laughs> this is outrageous. It's like our headlines are being written by the writers at the Onion. It, it, yeah. <laughs> it's just fucking outrageous. What are you talking about? Oh, I love it. Well, I'm I'm gonna wrap this part up, and uh, maybe we'll talk about pro wrestling for a little bit. Okay, friends, thanks for listening. It's been an episode of Who Could Chats with Matt and Ethan. We will see you next time.